0: Welcome to Cyclopod, showcasing work by early career geoscientists that is of interest to the cyclostatic community. This podcast is made possible thanks to financial support of the International Subcommission on Timescale Calibration. Hi there, my name is David of Leschauer. And today I will kick off this podcast series in cyclostratigraphy with an incredibly important topic limestone marl alternations. When I was a student more than a decade ago and I saw the limestone marl alternations all around the Mediterranean, I was very impressed by their beauty, their rhythmicity, and their grouping into several bundles. When I then also began to understand how and why they were formed, how they were related to the famous sapropels and how they can be used as a geological metronome, I was simply flabbergasted. However, not all limestone model alternations are created equal. And that is what I'm going to talk about with Dr. Teresa Knoll. Teresa received her PhD from the Friedrich Alexander University in Erlangen-Nürnberg a bit more than a year ago now. And in that PhD, she scrutinized different processes primary and diagenetic processes that could influence the genesis of limestone marl alternations. Most recently, just a few days ago, her most recent paper came out in Sedimentology, with the title Detecting Initial Aragonite and Calcite Variations in Limestone Marl Alternations. First of all, Teresa, welcome to the show, and congratulations with the publication of this new manuscript.
1: Thank you, David, and also thank you for the invite to speak with you today about one of my most favorite topics.
0: So, Teresa, we'll be talking about limestone-marl alternations throughout the entire episode. Can you remind us what exactly are limestone-marl alternations?
1: Sure. A limestone alternation is basically an alternation of more cemented beds and less cemented beds. Some are marl-dominated, some are limestone-dominated, and there are nodular ones, and uh, there are also well-bedded ones. They are known from marginal marine to full marine depositional environments, and despite this variety in terms of environment and manifestation, they all possess the basic characteristic of two alternating lithologies, of which one contains more and one contains less calcite cement. They are occasionally forms with three or more different carbonate rocks too but the bimodal alternation is rather common.
0: Mm -hmm. When I think about a limestone-mall alternation, Teresa, I see precession minima and maxima. I see obliquity cycles interfering, but you probably don't, do you?
1: Correct. You could say I see kind of a lithification curtain disguising the original deposits because all precursor sediments of limestone-mall alternations were originally simply soft mud. And for me, the big question is what happens in between the deposition of a soft sediment, which is potentially steered by cyclic or non-cyclic processes, and the solid rock or lithified sediment we see today? And how can we reconstruct the original sediment properties and environmental conditions? In the rock record, there are examples where the limestone margination is a perfect record of allocyclic cyclic processes, such as sea level fluctuations. But there are also beautiful examples of a homogeneous precursor sediment that was differentially lithified by autocyclic early diagenesis and resulted in a limestone alternation as well. This means the observed cyclicity has nothing to do with external forcing, but the cyclicity is the result of secondary processes influencing the sediment after it has been deposited. This implies if we want to interpret a limestone alternation correctly, we need to know when and where we are looking at an allocyclic signal or an autocyclic signal. And this is what I focused on, techniques to differentiate different types of limestone marginations and methods to further use data extracted from them.
0: Mm-hmm. That's a very important research question. And the discussion about the possible diagenetic origin of limestone marl alternations is still a very, very hot topic in the cyclostratigraphic community. I mean, we talked a lot about these uh, limestone marl alternations in Brussels during the cyclostratigraphy intercomparison project meeting. How do you feel about this debate?
1: I'm happy to hear this is a hot topic, um, because the cyclostratigraphic community has made a lot of effort to address important critiques such as reproducibility, transparency, or the incompleteness of the geologic record in the cyclostratigraphic intercomparison project. And the large majority of published studies addresses these points, but diagenesis is a different topic. And in my opinion, diagenesis was for too long time avoided, or in rare cases, even denied. Uh, but we know there is cyclicity in environmental processes and we know there is diagenesis transforming the original sediment. So there needs to be more cooperation between these two disciplines to find better scientific solutions.
0: Yeah, I guess that's very true and it's a very good conclusion of this first part of the podcast. In the second part of the podcast, I would like to dig a little bit deeper into the topic of these different pathways towards a limestone moral sequence, the diagenetic autocyclic one and the allocyclic one. In the sedimentology paper, you and your co-authors suggest a new method that can bridge the gap between these two disciplines. You call it the vector-length method. Can you briefly explain how that method works?
1: Yes, um, I'll do my best. The precursor sediment of a limestone alternation consists of aragonite, calcite, terigenous material, and some organic material. There are elements in the terigenous material which are regarded as immobile during diagenesis, and these elements include aluminium and titanium, Many limestone malternations have the same ratio of aluminium and titanium for limestones and for marls, of course, with higher absolute concentrations in the marl and lower concentrations in limestone. But their ratio is the same in both lithologies. And this pattern could be an indication for early differential diagenesis. Now, imagine a more or less homogeneous precursor sediment, so no astronomical cycles preserved. During early diagenesis, the less stable aragonite is dissolved and reprecipitates as calcite cement in the future limestone. This process, of course, dilutes the concentration of titanium and aluminium in the limestones, and it concentrates these elements in the mars. In the new method, we make a simple cross-plot with the concentrations of aluminium on the x-axis and the concentration of titanium on the y-axis for one specific limestone bed and its adjacent marl. Then we have two points in our cross-plot, and we can calculate the vector length between these two points. So each lithological couplet has its own vector, and we can compare the vector length as a measure of redistributed aragonite throughout the section. And we can combine this vector length with calcium carbonate concentrations measured along the stratigraphy to reconstruct the original sediment composition. And we can detect trends in the input of aragonite and calcite. At the same time, we can use the vector length method to say whether we started from a homogeneous precursor sediment, or whether there were primary variations in the titanium-aluminium concentrations. And that is, of course, important to characterize the studied limestone as an allocyclic sequence with a possible Milankovitch imprint or as an autocyclic sequence dominated by the diagenetic redistribution of calcium carbonate.
0: That's very clear. Thank you. My next question is maybe a more naughty question. Why should a cyclostatigrapher care about the composition of the precursor sediment? Once he or she knows that the alternations are primary, the cycle counting can start and an astronomically resolved age model can be constricted, right?
1: That is true, but I want to emphasize that the method provides two novel applications that should be of interest to cyclostratigraphers. First, it can reconstruct variations in aragonite and calcite input in the absence of variations in the terrigenous material. This means also limestone marginations, which before could not or only in low resolution be used for cyclostratigraphic analysis, could now be tested for potential astronomical forcing or in more detail. And second, the marl is normally compacted and condensed. With the vector length method, it is possible to infer how much it was compacted and condensed. This enables a much better reconstruction of sedimentation rates.
0: Okay, yeah, that's, that's pretty cool even for cyclist I must admit. At this point in the podcast, I want to introduce a short in-between section during which I pick out a special number, a number that summarizes an important issue in the field of psychostatigraphy. And today's special number is 19. 19%, that is the percentage of women that actively participated in the psychostatigraphy intercomparison project. Of 31 participants, there were only six females. And you were one of them, Teresa. How do you feel about that number, about that 19%?
1: Yeah, the sad thing is, 19% 19% is still an average number in science.
0: Yeah, that's that's true. And it is obvious that the field of cyclostratigraphy is still largely dominated by men. Is there anything obvious that needs to change so that we can get that number of women up?
1: Um, there are, of course, important programs with scholarships to increase the number of women. And these programs are a good start, but it is not the number of available jobs in science which is important. To me, it starts with a basic feeling of belonging. And I give just one really minor example. On several occasions, male lecturers told me women cannot compete in fieldwork. And this is the polite version of what was said. And you hear this kind of prejudice and stereotype thinking quite often, not only at work, but also in your social and private environment. The lecturers went silent when they saw me doing fieldwork, but this totally unnecessary prejudgment of my abilities made me doubt myself and made me feel like I don't belong. And people can make you feel like you don't belong for many reasons, such as gender, sexual orientation, skin color, religious beliefs or atheism, maybe some physiological, also mental reasons, and you don't want to stay where you feel that way. Therefore, increasing the number of women or any other minority starts for me with a very basic thing that might even sound redundant. Express that it's good to have them and make clear that they are an as valuable part as everyone else, and this is something everybody can do.
0: That's a very clear message, Teresa, and thank you for being so open about this. So let's now go back to the science. I think that we have now a pretty good idea about how your vector method works, Teresa. Thanks for all the clear explanations. But what I want to ask, what is your message to the cyclostratigraphic community? Do you have like a practical guide for cyclostratigraphers to use when they start investigating a new section that has limestone marrow alternations?
1: Um, in general, you really have to look for signs of diagenesis to actually find them. I can strongly recommend the review by Westphal, Hilgen and Municke from 2010, which evaluates several proxies, including the titanium-aluminium ratio. If and limestones possess different regression slopes in their titanium-aluminium ratio, or best if they do not plot on lines at all, there's an environmental signal recorded. If they do plot on a line, you have to take a closer look and, for example, use the vector length method. Sometimes you find in the field already some sedimentary structures that cross-cut lithological boundaries, and this is a clear signal that the lithological pattern is shifted and potentially only reflects the self-organized pattern of diagenetic carbonate redistribution.
0: That is indeed not too complicated to implement and very feasible in terms of time and money requirements. So how do you think about the future of the vector length method? Where would it be best applied in the future?
1: It would be awesome to really apply the vector length method on the long IODP drill core records and uh, to look at the transition from allocyclic dominated to autocyclic dominated limestone alternations. And it would be interesting to compare reconstructed sedimentation rates from the vector length method to sedimentation rates inferred from cyclostratigraphic methods. I applied for funding and hope to investigate these topics soon with cyclostratigraphic support.
0: That's a really cool research perspective. To end this podcast on, Teresa, thank you very much.
1: Thank you for having me here today, David.
0: I would also like to thank our audience for listening to this first episode of Cyclopod. I really enjoyed talking to Teresa about her new paper in sedimentology and about what it takes to fully understand the sedimentary and diagenetic history of a limestone marl section. Personally, I especially like the fact that Teresa explained her very easy-to-use strategy using XRF-derived titanium and aluminum contents that psychostatigraphers can adopt to verify the primary origin of their limestone marl alternation. For more updates and information on psychostatigraphy, or if you'd like to reach out, please visit us on www.cyclostaticrophy.org. See you later.